It's amazing to hear what God is doing across in the nations. You know, somebody, I was, I was trying to imagine how, how long can you stand like this? And that lady stood like this for an hour and a half. As she was, you know, it was like she was stepping into heaven. Just phenomenal. Um, what, I have, what I'm going to share this morning is what God has been speaking to me. Uh, what he has been, he's been directing me and he's been guiding me. And I'm sure um, it would speak to you as well. God, God is an amazing God. And sometimes this is one of the things that he starts, started speaking to me out of an obscure, very, very obscure uh, scripture. And you know when God starts talking to you through an obscure scripture, there's something that he wants you to shift. When I say you, I mean myself. He was trying to tell me that there are some, there's some stuff in my life that I need to shift. There are some changes that I need to make in my life. And so, um, you know, he's, he started working on my life. And I just want to share what, what he's been up to in my life. Uh, the main scripture is from First Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. And I'll just share as, as I start opening up. After the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it back from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then they carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. But the following morning, when, he ro- when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. Now, when God starts speaking to you from a scripture like that, you know, obviously there must be something that he's, he's actually trying to you, draw your attention. <laughs> and so I said, okay, Lord, what, what do you want to tell me? And he, he started showing me. Actually, Sergeant, there is, there is some stuff that, that needs to be dealt with in your life. I'll just share the background of this story before I start going into the depth of it. Now, this is, this is happening during the times of Samuel. Samuel was the, was the priest at that time, or he was, the, he was the one who would talk with God at that time. But Eli was there as well. Eli was the chief priest. And his sons were there and they were mucking around and doing stuff that you're not, they were not supposed to do. And at that time, the Philistines attacked Israel. And so when the Philistines started attacking Israel, they found that they lost. So they called a meeting of all the elders and the pastors and the Levites and all that. And they started discussing, how can we win against the Philistines? And so one of them put up their hand and said, why don't we take the Ark of the Covenant when we go for war? All right? So they decided, okay, we'll take the Ark of the Covenant. In the past, they know, whenever they had taken the Ark of the Covenant somewhere, things have happened. When they took the Ark of the Covenant into the River Jordan, the River Jordan had parted. When they saw, they saw that the Ark of the Covenant was a significant part of the Israeli life. And so they said, okay, the Ark of the Covenant is the, co- is the place where our Lord is, is, is sitting. So we'll take Him into battle. Our Lord is the God of battle. So they decided that they will take the Ark of the Covenant into battle. So they took the Ark of the Covenant of battle. The people were very encouraged. The, 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 the warriors were encouraged and they went into battle. Unfortunately, they were beaten black and blue. And they also lost the Ark of the Covenant. So the, the Philistines, they came and took the Ark of the Covenant with them. And they took it to their own land. 
Now we need to understand what's the thinking going on behind this. Because for the Philistines, they have heard what this God of Israel has done in the past. They have heard that this God of Israel that the Israelites serve is a God who is, who is, who is all-powerful. They have heard what he has done in Egypt. Yet they have heard that he had, he had brought the whole Egyptian army down in the Red Sea. He had split the Red Sea. They had heard that he had controlled, he had controlled the weather. They had heard that he had, he had changed the weather so that there would be respite for the children of Israel. So they were starting to see, they were starting to see that here is a God who is big. But in spite of that, when they win, it is their God who is winning. And so they are thinking that by taking this God of the Israelites and by putting him into the temple of their God, what will happen is now this God will start serving their God. Does that make sense? Now he's going to become a vassal or he's going to become subject to the king, or to, subject to the God that, that they have been serving because they have been able to get victory. But our God is not like that. When he turns up, he turns everything upside down. And that's what he did. First morning when they woke up, he was still in one piece, but he was on his face. And he was right in front of the Ark of the Covenant. It was as if the, the idol had been moved and it had been put in front of the Ark of the Covenant and it was bowing down, it was face down. The people did not understand, so they picked up the idol again and put it up in their rightful place. And in one corner is the Ark of the Covenant. Next morning when they woke up, they found that the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the, the idol of Dagon had been broken into pieces. And it's interesting the way it was broken. It was not smashed. The hand had been broken and the head had been severed. This is very, very, this is very important. This is very symbolic. And I said, okay, Lord, can you explain what are you trying to tell me? He said, Sergeant, the problem with you is that when you, you think, and that's also the problem with most of the people who are in my kingdom, they think that they can bring me into their life and they can bottle me up in one little corner and they can decide which part of their life they want to give to me. You think because you want a healing in your life, you will come and worship me, but you don't want to give me access into your finances, you don't want to give me access into your relationship, you do not want to give me access into your soul and into your spirit. But I'm not like that. When I come into somebody's life, I want to be there wholeheartedly. I'm into a relationship. I'm there because I have a relationship with people. I'm there because my vision is bigger than the vision that you have. The Word of God says that my plans are higher than your plans. My ways are higher than your ways. He started talking to me and saying, Sergeant, I have a plan for your life. I have a vision for your life. And that vision is, is for your blessing. It's amazing how he can start talking to us from an obscure scripture. He said, you have allowed me to come into your life, but you want to keep me compartmentalized in certain specific areas. You could not sleep for many years, so you wanted a God who could allow you to sleep. But unfortunately, the kingdom of God does not work like that. I'm like Laban. As soon as I'm into the dove, I started spreading myself because my plan is bigger than your plan. Are you with me this morning? 
You know, he started talking to me. Do you realize that every, every time I was doing a miracle in, in Egypt, I was not doing a miracle. I was not being random. I picked their best gods to show them that I am more powerful than their god. How many of you have seen the movie of Cleopatra? If you have seen the movie of Cleopatra, you'll find that Cleopatra has a crown which has a snake on it. What's the first miracle that, Jesus, that, that God did in their midst? He used, he used the staff to turn into a snake. And that snake swallowed the snake of the Egyptians. Am I right? What was God saying there? He's saying that your God, the God that you worship, I'm bigger than that God and I'm big enough to swallow that one. Amen with me? What was the next miracle that he did? He turned water, the, blood, the water of, blood, of Nile into blood. Who is, what is Nile for the people of Egypt? That's a goddess. They worship Nile. People in India worship the rivers because everything comes to them through the river. That is what they understand. We have goddess Ganges and we have goddess Yamuna and we have other goddesses. The people of Egypt used to worship the river Nile. Every one of them were the gods that the people of Egypt worshipped. I was not being random. I picked it so that they could see that I am a god who is over that. I changed, uh, you know, I, I turned day into night. Why? Because they are worshippers of the sun. They worship sun god. I wanted to show that I am more powerful than their god, the sun that they have, because I can turn it into darkness. The visions and the dreams that you and I have. God has put it there, but he also has a plan to bring it to pass. But unfortunately, we also have idols in our own heart. He started talking to me, Sajan, the temple that is mentioned in the Bible, the temple of Dagon, what does the Bible say about your body? It says, do you not realize that your body is the temple of the living God? Am I right? Okay, the, temp- the Bible says that our body is the temple of the living God. So what happens when He comes into us? The idols that are living in our lives start falling face down in front of Him. He- it starts falling down. So I said, no God, you need to be more specific than this. Because I'm a practical person. I like to see things in action. And He started telling me, Sajan, I had given Moses a mission. The mission that I had given Moses was that he would come and liberate my people. But it had become so big, he was so passionate about it, that it became so big that it became his own burden. He did not trust me that I would partner with him. And so he was trying to make that breakthrough in his own strength. So this vision of bringing people, there is nothing wrong with that vision. But the only problem with that vision was he had taken ownership of it and he did not see a role for me in it. He did not see that I could partner with him and I could be of some help to him. There are many of us sitting here who have a ministry on our life, who have a call on our life. And you know, we have tried our best to make it to happen. I don't know about you, but I have done that. And God started speaking to me and said, I have called you. I have called you. You don't need to make things happen. I have called you. I have put that anointing on your life. You don't need to mess around trying to make things happen because I will open doors for you. This is a word for some of you sitting here this morning that God is saying that He has called you and He has called you to minister. He has has called you to take His word to the nations. He has called you to bring healing to the lives of people. And He will make it happen. Don't try because we would end up like Moses on the backside of the desert for the next 40 years. I don't know if I have another 40 years to spend like that. 
God is very, very good. He is merciful. Because it is for my good. I don't know how I will be when I will be 80 plus. If I have to spend the next 40 years on the backside of a desert. I would rather wait and partner with him. So that he can take me into what he has called me to. He started showing me people person after person in the Bible. And he started telling me, Sergeant, it's not yours to carry. It was theirs not it wasn't theirs to carry. He started saying that idol in people's lives start standing up and they show up in people's life in different ways. He said there was a guy he started talking to me about Lot. He said Lot was excited when he heard that I had spoken to his uncle. I had spoken to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to turn you into a big nation and I'm going to, I'm going to prosper you. Lot was excited because he knew that if he hung around Uncle Lot, he's going to prosper. So that's what he did. He hung around Uncle Lot for a season of time. And then suddenly he found that he started prospering. And, his, and as, as, the, as the overflow of blessings and prosperity came into Abraham's life, it started flowing into Lot's life as well. After having done that for a season of time, he suddenly started thinking, I have gathered all this wealth with my own smartness. He moved away to another place. He moved away to another place where, there was, where he thought was a prosperous place. And we know the story. So what was the idol in his life, Sergeant? He wanted to be rich and he wanted to be famous by himself. He did not want to be called Abraham's nephew. And there are times when we do that. There are times when we do that, that we do not want. We do not want to be called under somebody. And God started speaking to me. As a young man, as I was growing up, I had said, I will never let anybody tell me what to do. I'm sure there is, there is nobody else in this room who has done that. And as I started saying, and I have found that time after time when God would send somebody to speak into my life, I would say, nah, I know better than you. And God started saying, I do not want you to experience what Lord had experienced. Because he knew in his own wisdom, he had picked the place where he needs to plant himself. But what was the result of it? He started talking to me about Lord's wife. He said, you know, I had blessed them, I had prospered them. And when it was time to go... Lord's wife still had her heart in that place. And what was the result? I don't want you to become a pillar of salt somewhere. The idol in her life was, she still, she still hung on to what the blessings and the prosperity was. She forgot that who is the one who blesses her. We, we you know, we come into the kingdom... But we do not want to give away all the honor and the prosperity that we had. I remember, I, you know, when I came to the Lord, I was doing very well. I was, I was quite prominent in this area that I lived. I was a good cricketer. I used to do running commentary. I would be called from, you know, I would be called from far and wide to be able to go and, and do live commentary for people. That made me quite a well-known personality in the area that I lived. And when I came to know the Lord, he said, the first thing that you'll have to lay down is that bit. 
I remember the last time I played cricket. I said, Lord, let me go out in a place of glory. But I remember very distinctly that suddenly from being a very good pace bowler, I became a chucker. Because God wanted to move me out of that so that I would connect into what he had. I told him, God, I'm a good commentator. I can become a good preacher for you as well. He said, I don't want you to be that. I don't want you to trust in your own strength. God started talking to me with people after people in the, in the Bible. He said, you know, there, there was a person called Simon in the Bible. He received the Lord. He received me as his personal savior. But he had come from a background where he was all powerful. He could do signs, wonders and miracles because he was operating in the sorcery. Then when Peter came into that place and he started ministering, he started laying hands over people and there was an impartation. He walks up to Peter and says, Peter, I'm ready to give you money. I'm ready to give you money. Can you give me this power to impart the Holy Spirit upon other people? He was trying to buy the Spirit of God with money. I said, Lord, how does this apply in practical life? He said, there are many people who look at ministries, who look at other things, and they covet it. They want to be operating like this person and that person and that person. They don't want to be operating as who they are. I call them personally, and I put an anointing on them. I put a, put a call on them, but they want to copy somebody else. What was this man wanting to do? He wanted to copy Peter. I remember reading Paul Yongicho's book. He said, God, I said, God, make me into another Billy Graham. And God said, no, I don't want another Billy Graham. I want another Paul Yongicho. I want to remind you this morning, God wants you to be who you are. He doesn't want you to be another Mike Connell or another Ian Clayton or another somebody. He, he wants you to be who you are. He wants me to be sergeant who I am. Because he's called me, he's anointed me, and his, his, his call on my life is different. He started talking to me, don't try to copy anybody because I have got a word for you. I have a plan for your life and I want to bless you. I said, okay Lord, what other, what other idols are there in my heart? He said, Sajan, you don't trust me with your finances. I said, God, are you, are you doubting my faith? He said, yes. I said, you must have got it wrong. <laughs> I've lived by faith. I've lived by faith for 10 months where there was no salary coming, no income coming. And I, we would have to depend on, on God's blessing for food to come into the house. Lord, I've lived there and are you saying that I don't have faith? He said, yes. So I said, what do you mean by this? He said, Sergeant, you never went for another child. Because you did not trust me that I will be able to financially provide for that. You know, when you get kicked, you know it. And this was one of those things that God hit me with, where I knew that he was very correct and I was wrong for the first time. <laughs> so he started saying, you have, you, you know, you, because you come from an accounting background, I know you trust your own ability to work out your finances. I, do, I have had people come to me 
I have had people come to me saying that, you know, I don't know you, but I saw an Excel spreadsheet right all over your head, and, it, it, and, and I saw the power of God come and hit it and break it. I said, don't worry, I understand what you are saying. And he has to have constantly remind me that I have to trust him over finances. Even six months ago, he reminded me, Sergeant, I am your provider. I am the one who provides for you. Do I think do in faith? Yes, I do. Still, he knows the integrity of my heart and he knows that I have not shifted from where I am. There are idols in our heart. He said, there are very good examples in the Bible. There is a guy called Balaam. He used to be the standard prophet of that nation. I used to talk to him face to face. And he could, he could just, just like that, he could prophesy and speak over millions of people. I had called him as a prophet to the nations. But in that, he had, he had also this problem with finance. So it was very easy for him. It was very easy for him to, to give up his position and go for what he thought was the best. There is Gehazi. Gehazi, you know, Elisha received the double measure of what Elijah had. There is only one person mentioned in the Bible who served Elisha. There are lots of others who served Elisha, but Gehazi has been constantly named by, by, by his name. Imagine what would have happened if Gehazi had served him faithfully. He would have got double measure of Elisha. How do I know? Because Elisha died without imparting what he was carrying. And then he was buried. Years later, there was a Philistine attack and there were some people who were carrying a dead body. And as they were passing the tomb of Elisha, they saw this Philistine attack coming. You know what they did? They threw the dead body over the tomb and they ran away. When they came back, the man was no longer dead. He was alive. Because he had fallen on the tomb of Elisha. And the power of God that was still within his bones started bringing life back into that man. Imagine what would have happened, Sergeant, if he had, he had accepted the fact that I am the provider. He went after a few clothes. He went after a little bit of money. There are idols in the life of people. There are idols in your life. He said, another man in the Bible, he says, Sao, he had absolute contempt for me. I said, what do you mean? His actions, when he said he did not put value on the calling that I had on his life. He was the, the firstborn in the family. And what he was going to get is what was on Abraham's life. He was going to get what Abraham had been promised because he was the firstborn. But he despised what I had for him. It despised the fact that my blessing was going to make him prosper. He sold it for a bowl of food. That's how his contempt came across. He started talking to me about the idols in my heart. I asked him, Lord, who else? And what else? So he started talking to me. He said, you know, Jonah. I told Jonah, Jonah, I've got a job for you. I said, what do you mean? Yes, I had given Jonah a job. But Jonah ran away. You know why he ran away? I said, no. 
He said because he had a sense of deep injustice. The people of Nineveh were constantly attacking the Israelites. And God was very angry about this. And he had prophesied through various prophets that he was going to deal with Nineveh. And Jonah was waiting. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, come on, come on. He was just cheering God along. And then God comes along and says, Jonah, I've got a plan for you. I want you to go and preach the gospel in that nation. I want you to go and preach the kingdom in that nation. And you know what Jonah did? Jonah knew that if he would go and preach, the people would get saved. There were 100,000 people in that city. 100,000 in the Hawks Bay. You're talking everybody in our neighborhood just dying just like that. And you know what Jonah did? He ran away because he was, he just wanted those people to be punished. Jonah went and preached the gospel and the people got saved. So Jonah had a little pity party on the side. You are like that. I bless other people and you look at them and say, oh, he's got this fault and he's got that fault. You know, we serve a good, loving God. And He was doing all this because He wanted to bring a realignment in my life. He's a God of realignment and second chance. You know, as I come to the end of my, of my preach, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to what the Word of God is saying this morning. But before I do that, if, if there is anybody here who's never received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, anybody here who does not know Jesus as a personal friend, you know all this, Jesus started showing me all this because he's my personal friend. He talks to me like a friend would talk to a friend. But he does that without judging me. He does it without actually pointing his finger at me. He does it with love because he knows the end from the beginning. This morning, I want to give you a chance. I want to give you a chance this morning. Would you like to have this friend as your friend? Because a good friend is somebody who can tell your weaknesses without actually picking on you. Jesus is a good friend. The greater advantage or the greater blessing of having this good friend is He'll walk with you in this journey to correct yourself. To bring changes in your life. He did that for me. He'll do that for you. Anybody here, anybody here who would like to have this God as their personal friend? If you would like to have Jesus as your personal friend, you're lonely, but you know that there is problems in your life that you would like to change but you do not know how to change Jesus would like to partner with you and come into your life so that he can take over and help you in this journey he's got an awesome plan for you anybody here 
Anybody here? Anybody here? It's not worth waiting another five, five, ten years before you come back. It's not waiting for another, not worth waiting for another forty years before you come back. Now's the time. I can hear the Spirit of God calling out to you. I can hear God calling out to you and saying, "Come, my son. Come, my daughter." Come my son, come my daughter. I want to be your friend. I want to help you. You don't need to be lonely anymore. I know there are some people here who are feeling that tug in their heart. They want to put up their hand and come forward, but also their mind is saying what will people think what will people think let me tell you that people are not there when you are lonely people are not there when you are all by yourself and looking at yourself it's not worth it i want to encourage you this morning if you are that person here this morning put a hand up because jesus would like to become your friend i knew there was one come let's all stand up will we want to clap and rejoice for this person has put her hand up because she knows that Jesus does not want her to be lonely she knows that there is things in her life that has to change there's things in her life that she wants to change she doesn't want to be lonely good on you sky very good sky we have been praying for you before we pray for her we'll get the the songs going we get the worship going i want you to consider if god has spoken to you this morning if god has spoken to you this morning i would encourage you to come forward and we'd love to stand with you and pray with you all right Father today in Jesus name I thank you that you died on the cross for me I thank you that you want to be my friend I'm tired of doing this life by myself I'm tired of the things that are happening in my life I want to give you my entire life I want you to be the lord of my life I want forgiveness for my wrongs I want to set things right with you Jesus I thank you that you forgive me Jesus I thank you that you receive me into your family I thank you that you rejoice over me Amen.